Thank you for your company and welcome to Education Vision 2020. It's a series that we've been running. It's, uh, well, look, we think it's important because the education, as we've been talking about through this uh, series, uh, it's really, really important. You know, there's a lot of research around it says that if you are well educated, you get uh, more opportunities, you're likely to have a live a longer life and a more uh, beneficial life. But also, when you look at the perspective of a country, a country is more uh, prosperous and uh, therefore the communities enjoy that. To have a chat about it today, we have Jim Mitchley. He's the Director of Teaching and Learning for the Toowoomba Catholic Schools Office. Now, Jim, how are you? Good, thanks, Andrew. Very well. How are you? Good, good. 31 schools and they are spread far and wide uh, and also on top of that, the Toowoomba Catholic uh, Schools Office. Tell us a little bit about like what your day would look like uh, in your role. Oh, mate, I have a team of um, about 25 education officers. Um, they they uh, are experts in the area of, um, you know, inclusion support. So we have our speeches and OTs and uh, inclusion coaches, but we also have uh, our project people, education officers who assist with the coaching for our reading improvement strategy and our, our new Maths Inspire strategy and our, our, our WIS, our writing improvement strategy. So we have those sorts of people in the office who, who have a cluster of schools to look after and help, um, help the leadership teams in schools build the capacity of teachers. It's basically my role and then we also have the you know accountability type uh, requirements so we we do school renewal and improvement processes and you know principal summative reviews and all of those things that that um you know make sure we're ticking the boxes so to speak and meeting all the compliance regulations but uh we we try our best i think to make it about the academic achievement of students which of course then is about the capacity of teachers Jim, those 31 schools, can you just take us through what they look like or the contrast? Because you've got some that are in Toowoomba and then they go like right out southwest Queensland. Yes, mate. We, we've got, I think, um, eight of those 31 schools have um, less than 100 students in them. Wow. Um, so we've got schools right out to, to um, Quilpie is the furthest school from here. Um, Quilpie, I think, has uh, 26 Students, we have um, Kanamala, um, St George, um, Charleville, so they're our, our rural and remote schools. And then, um, you know, as far far south as Stanthorpe, um, Warwick, and, um, you know, all, all along this western line, you know, bigger, bigger centres like um, Chinchilla and Roma. But yeah, they're scattered all over the place. A great variety of schools and tremendous um, communities that we serve out there. And I think you know, Catholic schools, education in general, are the, the lifeblood of, of many of those rural communities. Yeah. Now you mentioned with your team, you've got experts in that team, and it, you know, you've attached uh, strategy as as titles to some of those team members. Uh, one of those strategies that you talked about, you know, the reading and the writing. You've been with uh, the Toowoomba Catholic uh, School Office for a, a while. What are some of the improvements you've made while you've been there? Oh, mate, we, we're, um, I suppose it's a whole, our, our new executive director, Dr. Pat Coglin, has had a, a very clear uh, yeah. agenda. Um, 
around expectations and vision direction. Um, so our, my role has been um, one of our main pillars is to improve the capacity of teachers to make sure we have, you know, a quality teacher in every classroom. And, you know, that comes with its challenges as far as, you know, staffing Western, rural and remote schools. Um, but the main um, goal that we have is to make sure that the academic achievement of our students is, is always on the incline and that's only going to happen if the teachers really know their stuff. So that's basically what, what my agenda has been. Yeah, so it was, look, some of those challenges must be geography. How do you overcome some of that? Yes, it is difficult. I know <laughs> there's you know there's lots of money uh, being thrown around um, in education in terms of you know incentives and packages um, to get um, teachers to work in rural and remote. But it's um, you know it's a difficult thing. It doesn't matter how much money there is. Sometimes you know you know it's it's a difficult job and becoming a more difficult job to get young people to even want to join the teaching profession. Um, and then to get them to stay in the profession and and live in some of those smaller communities, um, you know, it's quite a challenge. And you yeah, mentioned, so yeah, look, you mentioned um, uh, earlier, you know, some of the communities, the education being the lifeblood. I'd just like to explore that for a little bit. But um, for a young teacher, what are some of the benefits of them taking up a position and, and getting involved in one of those? Uh, maybe they are you know, graduating university and uh, they really only understand the city life, but, you know, mm. you've got a little community like Kalamala or, or Quilpy. What are some of the benefits to them heading on out there and giving it a go? Oh, from a professional career perspective, it's a tremendous <laughs> advantage because yeah. you, you get to experience and you get the responsibilities um, a lot earlier. You know, you, you get responsibilities that if you're in a school on the coast, you know, you may never um, encounter or be offered. So, you know, it's like a microcosm of, you know, it might be 10 years of a career jammed into, you know, three and four years, basically, the responsibilities um, the learnings from being in um, a small school and having so many responsibilities uh, is significant, a tremendous advantage too, I think, if you're made of the right stuff. Um, and that's what happens. I, I'm, a, I'm a product, I think, of a yeah. rural and remote education and, you know, growing up in Western Queensland towns and uh, and certainly began my career in, um, you know, in Western you know, country Queensland and 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 I and I put a lot of um, you know anything I've learned <laughs> has come from you know come from what I've experienced and what I've lived in in smaller country towns. Yeah, is it the case that when you're say in a big city school, uh, if there's a challenge that's, that you're being presented with in relation to one of your students, it's very easy, isn't it? Because you've got the network immediately around you, most likely inside that school, that you can pass them off to this specialist or that specialist. But in a regional school, while you may have those broader support networks within, say, the Twomba Catholic School's office, but when you're in remote Quilby, you've got to take care of that yourself. So you'd be learning that sort of skill, wouldn't you? Oh, sure. It's not. I don't think they, they're isolated. You know, there's always technology nowadays. You know, there's, you, know, there's, um, you, you can talk to anyone. Um, get advice from anyone. Yeah, it's just the fact that you know you're isolated because you're there on the ground, and um, you know there's a lot less peers to talk to for advice, and there's yeah. um, 
you know, and plus, you know, one of the difficulties in the smaller places is you're, you know, you're always on show if you belong to an organisation like ours, you know, with very high expectations around, um, you know, community engagement and behaviour and, um, you know, codes of conduct and expectations. It's, you know, you're always on show. You're always uh, <laughs> in the public eye and, you know, there's always... Um, you know, this sense of you're always at work, you know, it's a difficult, difficult thing. Um, but, you know, lots of people have overcome it and many people would regard it as, you know, one of the one of the best decisions they've ever made to do Western service. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think it's a handicap. I think it's a diffi- different thing, but I, you know, it has its own challenges, but also has tremendous advantages. And, you talk to young people out there nowadays, you know, people living in places like, um, you know, Roma and even, you know, yeah. Mitchell, Kunnamulla, a lot of those people are just having the time of their life, you know, if they get their networks right and they're willing to be involved in the community. You know, I know lots of people who, who will tell you it's the best decision they've ever made in their life. Yeah, look, you just touched on, uh, you know, the teacher and just go for principals or teaching staff, but them not being able to really switch off, like they are teachers, whether they're in the community. And, you know, let's, let's put that right across the whole Toowoomba Catholic Schools uh, office jurisdiction, so Toowoomba included. The standing of teachers in the community, uh, has, that, has that changed over the years and where's that headed? Yeah, um, and I think... Um, you know, with the, the days of social media and uh, I don't think it really matters whether you're in a small community or a big community. Uh, yeah. You know, how you behave and your views of the world are generally with, you know, our current generations, they're out there hanging out in the line for everyone to see. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, it, you know, it is important you teach who you are um, and I think if you're a teacher... Um, you know, people are always looking over your shoulder and, you know, kids hold, you know, aspire, um, you know, to impress you or to be like you or to, um, you know, generally speaking, um, I don't, you know, I don't really think rural or remoteness um, is any more intense than the fact that you're in a role and you're in a role that always keeps you in the public eye and people are always going to be checking on you and people are always going to be, sharing what they've heard or they've seen. You know, I, I don't – I think there's lots of positions <laughs> yeah. nowadays, you know, where, where that people have to be aware of that. Yeah. Now, Vision 2020 uh, for, you know, education across, uh, you know, not just – maybe even look at it broader than just the, um, the Toowoomba district, but uh, in Australia it's becoming increasingly, increasingly uh, competitive. There's uh, lots of technology that's being brought forward inside education. Uh, do you do you see that with a with a element of excitement? Yes, mate. I think we have to. That's it's where the world's heading. Um, yeah. You know we can't. Um, you know we can't ignore it, and we can't try to operate without it. We've got to make the most of it, and we've got to use you know technology as the of the accelerator, you know, it's got to be the accelerator. Um, I believe um, Michael Fullan used those words that that um, technology should be the accelerator of learning. It's not the reason for learning, and it's not particularly, you know, the pedagogy, but it's the accelerator. It can enhance 
the quality of learning, you know, because of its impact on engagement and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I, I look I look forward to it with with positivity, as I hope um, you know anyone in the field would. And what are some of the opportunities that the Toowoomba uh, Catholic uh, School offers is taking up with these, uh, you know, with this change of technology, with the change of styles of learning, uh, with the acceleration? Well, mate, it's, uh, an example would be, uh, so in teaching, it's been difficult for a number of years now um, to get, uh, to, you know, senior um, experienced teachers in areas like physics, chemistry and math C, that sort of thing. That was... I was a principal on the coast for a long time. It was always yeah. difficult, you know, to get good quality people to stay in those sorts of roles. You know, they moved where the market took them, basically, because there wasn't a, you know, wasn't a great deal of depth to the pool. Um, so you can imagine that gets really compounded when you're talking Western schools. So we've got some big secondary schools, you know, Dolby, Roma and Stanthorpe. Um, so it's very difficult, you know, to get the pool of um, teachers in those specialised subjects to work in those schools. So technology, one of the projects we're working on at the moment is how can we share that expertise around by doing sort of an on online sort of modules where the physics teacher, say, at you know, St Mary's College, for example, yeah. um, could, could present online lessons to students in Dolby and Stanthorpe and and, uh, you know, while there would still be teachers, obviously, in the rooms in those remote places, uh, you know, we, we could have an expert teacher in terms of assisting with the pedagogy and, you know, helping those students meet, meet those, those goals. So you're now talking but, like a multi-location classroom that, you know, it transcends. There's no boundary as to the walls and the, and the building. This is now anybody could be correct. sitting anywhere yeah, and yeah. consuming this. Well, that's been done successfully for many years. Yeah. You know, distance education yep. in Australia and particularly Queensland is, um, you know, it's a stellar example of uh, how how distances can be overcome. There's been some great work done in the past here by University of Southern Queensland as well. You know, connecting our rural and remote schools to you know places all over the world. Uh, you know, there's no reason why um, you know we're probably taking a bit too long to get it all going, and we're probably incorrectly being the shortage of teacher being the reason that drives us when in fact you know there's no reason there's tremendous advantages for it um anyway it's a project we're working on now and hopefully you know we'll trial a few things next year and hopefully um have that as options for our students you know to make sure that you know we can match or exceed you know the offerings um you know from our from our other education providers so um, for students, we just see it as a natural thing. Yeah. yeah, for students, we're like say five, ten years into the future, and we've we've talked to a number of schools on the coast, and uh, some of those, I, I know one in particular, uh, was saying that uh, they think that campuses uh, may take more of a university approach, where they become twenty-four hour, seven-day places of learning you know you've got million dollar facilities and that would be mm. true of out in regional areas do you see just the way that people attend schools changing i do mate i i think that in our lifetimes we'll see an end you know to um you know the the traditional classrooms we'll see an end to um you know a a, a standard curriculum i think you know the work of um 
it's some of our, our colleagues, um, you know, Greg Whitby in, um, in New South Wales, you know, his language and his leadership down there talking about, you know, personalised learning in terms of, you know, we don't have a prescribed curriculum. You know, the client comes to us and says, this is what I'm thinking, this is where I'm heading, these are my ambitions, you know, can something be designed where I can, um, you know, run with my own program and you can help me meet my needs in terms of where my future lies. I, I, I certainly see that happening. Um, you know, education has taken a long time, really. Yeah. Very resilient, if you like, to, um, you know, to adapt. We still seem to think that we have to have a teacher in front of a classroom. Uh, we still seem to think that everyone gets treated the same and has to be learning the same thing, you know, in the same way. Yeah. It's taken a long time, um, um, you know, for people to be awake and willing to explore other possibilities, but I, but I think it's all starting to happen. And, you know, I think, um, you know, that whole notion of planning for personal learning, <coughs> not just, you know, for kids with special needs or exceptional needs, but, you know, every child should be able to get from school you know, what they require. You know, I'm not saying we're abandoning the basics or the kids don't need to be literate and numerate, but yeah. I, I just think it can't be about dancing through the hoops, you know, where the ATAR or the OP is the only thing that matters. I think there's got to be, uh, you know, people have... I suppose the best way to explain it is we, we've got to have other things to measure. There's lots of other things that matter other than the academic achievement. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but lots of things matter. And unfortunately, because money comes from governments and yep. you know, governments determine the agenda or pro politicians determine the agenda, it's always chopping and changing. And governments, of course, love things that can be measured. You know, a lot of funding and everything is determined by the things that can be measured. But, you know, the easier things to be measured are... are standardized tests and that sort of thing. But yeah, well when yeah. when you look at that that's that's really quite interesting and we have been discussing that throughout the series. Uh, look, we're looking down the barrel of and it's been coming for a long time but that's accelerating as well. Artificial intelligence, uh, robotics, uh, things that uh, have repetitive processes being automated and mm. a lot of principals have been saying, well, we really need to be looking at critical thinking and creativity yeah, yeah. there to the things that are That's important. Correct. How are you driving that in through your school network? Well, uh, there's no doubt that creativity, um, collaborative problem solving, you know, all, all of those things are what employers want yeah. um, into the future. It's, it's just not written into the curriculum and, and it's not, it's not prioritised because it's not something that can be assessed. So governments aren't necessarily that excited about anything that's not going to be able to measure and compared and you know justifiable because of that assessment. So you know they're, they're, that's all part of the um, you know the difficulty. We we've got to work out how to assess things that that really matter. You so know, as a country, we need to be having this conversation and really figuring out where our future lies and how education is going to drive us to that future, yeah? Sure, and I think we are, Andrew. We, we've yeah. got a tremendous pool of, of national you know, experts and international experts and tremendous organisations, I think, that, that, that make it all happen. There's just a lag between those innovators and you know, government policy. There's just a, 
a lag. I think lots of people know what we should be doing, but um, <laughs> you know the lag in terms of the the system and the structure that supports that is um you know is is something that we've got to overcome. You know. Yeah. Finally, you have a broad view because you look over a number of schools. For a, a parent that you know maybe their child is. Uh, heading into school for the very first time or maybe they're making a transition from primary to secondary. What would you encourage them to look at when they're looking at choosing a school? Um, well, I'm, I'm never overly excited by by schools or leadership teams that do the dance around it's only the data, you know, in terms of their yeah. league tables. You know, I think you, you've got to look at you know, the well-being of students. I think you've got to look at generally the happiness of teachers. You know, you've got to see are they a group of teachers who seem to get on? Are they, um, you know, is there clear intentions in that school in terms of the vision, where they're heading, what they want to achieve? You know, when the, when the principal talks to you, do you get a sense of, do you know, like where he's heading with yeah. this? You know, um, you've got to feel as if you belong to the place. You know, you've got to feel as if they 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 really know my child and they care about my child. Um, and, you know, can they talk very clearly about what a child is going to be, you know, when they leave this school, you know, beginning with the end in mind, so to speak? What do they think the ideal graduate in this graduate from this school looks like? That's That's how I've always thought. And so then, you you know, your, your whole staff then, you know, design, um, you know, the, the methodology and, you know, the pedagogy around what we want this child to be like when they finish at our school after their 13 years here or however long it is. And I think that's an important thing. You've just got to know what you're aiming at. It's not a sausage factory, you know. We're not just, you know, trying to get as many people as we can to get to be an OP1 or a you know, high ATAR, we're trying to get people to be finishing in an education system, feeling, you know, at peace with the world, at peace with themselves, you know, a belief that they can contribute to the community, a belief that they can make things better for other people. You know, I think, and, and how a community articulates that is uh, the sorts of things that would help me make a decision about, um, you know, about whether, whether I'd send my children there. Yeah, Jim Mitchell, Director of Teaching and Learning at Toowoomba Catholic Schools Office. Thank you very much for your time with our listeners.